You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to On the Bench, a Knowles 24-7 production. This is our Saturday night instant reaction victory podcast, and we're going to emphasize the victory today. I got Chris Nee and Brendan Sinone here with me, so let's just get going. Uh, Florida State earned their first win of the season, and it was also the first of the Mike Norvell era on Saturday night when they defeated Jacksonville State 41-24. to Game kicked off at 4 p.m. from Dope Campbell Stadium. Uh, FSU got off to a familiar start, was down quickly 14-0 after the first quarter. True freshman Tate Rodemaker who got his first start of his career, struggled on the first four drives of the game, going eight for 12 for 58 yards passing, but he threw a pick six. I'm sure a lot of our listeners made a quick run to Market Square Liquors at that point. But then Jordan Travis entered the game and proceeded to score on five consecutive drives over the second and third quarter. FSU finally pulled away late in the game to go on and win by a score of 41 to 24, like I said. So, Brendan, give me your three big takeaways from today's game. This is helpful. I haven't written my, uh, my three things I learned column yeah, yet, so we're, this is going to be a way to, to workshop it. All right. Obviously, first and foremost, Jordan Travis, right? He sparks the mm-hmm. offense. He comes off the bench, like you said, Josh, five consecutive touchdown drives and, and sustained ones, too. They had drives of 73 yards, 75 yards, 63 yards, 78 yards, and 90 yards. Right. Uh, four of those drives lasted seven plays or more. Uh, so, so Jordan Travis giving this offense a spark is a takeaway to, to actually have the idea that you can build around him to some sort of extent, I think is, is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, uh, this is kind of going along with what Jordan Travis provided. I think there's an option offense built into like what, what Mike Norva likes to do. He did it before at Arizona State. What was really impressive to me, Josh, was not just what Jordan Travis was able to do statistically, which was be efficient. I think he was 12 of 17, 210 yards, a touchdown, and, uh, and 48 yards on the ground with another touchdown. He made everyone around him better, right? He, he elevated the play of the three running backs. Uh, the offensive line looked much more competent once Jordan Travis got in the game, and the wide receivers, especially Tamar and Terry, picked up his energy with Jordan Travis. So his energy yeah. was infectious. That was important. And, uh, and third and final point, and there's still a lot of work to go. I don't want to overblow this. It was a win against an FCS team. FSU was down by 14 points twice in the game. Uh, the youth movement, we got to see what it looked like at times. It's going to be ugly. Uh, there's still things to work on. I don't want to celebrate too much, but you certainly feel uh, like there's something to kind of build off mm-hmm. of, which hasn't happened in a while. Um, yeah, for me, it starts same place. It starts with Jordan Travis. I mean, I, I'll take a little bit different view on it. I think the best thing about Jordan Travis that we saw today, he alleviates a whole heck of a lot of pressure from the offense. His ability to create with his legs, to extend plays, to convert for first down. And most of all, today to make very, very good decisions, whether it was keeping the ball, giving the ball, passing the ball, keeping the eyes down the field, things like that. He's excellent in that regard. That's a big step for them. Secondly, I'd probably go with the O-line. I thought they had a hell of a day. I mean, they ran block very, very well, especially second and third quarter. Jordan Travis kind of played into that for a reason, helped them along there. thought that was kind of a crucial piece for them. If that's something they can continue to do, that's a big building block. Robert Scott started very poorly. He settled down. He did much better. Yeah. Um, they had to move guys around across. Training showed off. So 
thought that was pretty important for them. I think the third thing for me is just that, you know, it's kind of simple, but winning breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. I don't care who the opponent was. FSU hasn't won a game since Alabama State before today. Jeez. When they got the ball rolling and they started doing things, it looked like a team that had effort and pride, and those things have been missing. So uh, I think it's important. It's a building block. I'm not going to turn it into more than what it was, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and for those listening, Chris is um, leaving the stadium. So Brendan and I are operating from our home base, and, and Chris was the forsaken one that we threw to the Wolves and had to go to the stadium today. But, um, Brendan, I want to ask you, because we, we make a lot about the – the quarterback position. Tate Rodemaker got the start. Uh, you broke the news. Uh, what was it? Friday night, Friday evening. Uh, but Jordan Travis seems like he is the guy moving forward. Do you agree? I, I mean, is this Travis's job to lose right now? Or does the Chubba Purdy injury and in rehab play into this as well? Yes, is how I'm going to answer that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jordan Travis, I mean, Mike Norvell, I think, kind of showed his hand a little bit today in the postgame press conference and saying that he was very excited about the future with Jordan Travis. Obviously, Tate Rotomaker comes in the game and in the moment looked a little bit too big for him. And more so, the, the arm strength just it was severely lacking in, on several throws. Uh, James Blackman apparently was injured, uh, is what Mike Ravel said, or had some things he was going through. Uh, but Jordan Travis goes and wins his starting job for now, in my mind. Like, you build with him in mind moving forward. The, the thing to focus on, and that I kept thinking about throughout the game, is, okay, when Jordan Travis showed you glimpses last year you know, when he came in against Boston College of being able to run, he was a sub-package guy. You couldn't build an entire offense around him. One, because there's some arm limitations, although he, he dispelled those somewhat today. But two, he gets hurt fairly easily because of his size, because of the way he runs. Uh, so you can't really build a option-based game plan around him on a consecutive or, or consistent basis, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. want him to get hurt. But now if you have Chubba Purdy coming back in the fold, whether it's – I think he was pretty close to being able to play tonight. Uh, I think in, in the next couple of weeks, he certainly will be available. If you have two mobile quarterbacks that you can integrate into the game plan, uh, that allows you to feel much more confident with building that type of strategy in mind, with Jordan Travis being the starter for now. So, okay. so yeah, I think Jordan Travis is the guy for the foreseeable future based on how he played and how teammates responded to him. But mm-hmm. I think this also gives you the opportunity for Chubba Purdy – to be involved in the offense once he's healthy and back. Yeah. Um, I've said on, on this podcast in prior shows that I didn't think Jordan Travis at quarterback was necessarily sustainable uh, for the offense. Chris, do you think that Jordan Travis moving forward, uh, do you think the off- offense has a chance to execute against Notre Dame like it did against Jacksonville State, or is it just this is Jacksonville State? Well, I think that's obviously a tick up in mm-hmm. opponent strength and ability and just obviously and obviously depth. One thing that really hurt Jay- Jacksonville State tonight was they're not particularly deep. They're certainly not particularly well conditioned with it being the first game of the season for them. Mm-hmm. And them having an offseason that was even weirder than FSU's, that showed in the second half. They definitely were wore down. So I think that's a huge difference you got to take into account beyond the fact that Notre Dame is just a much better opponent. Is it sustainable for another game? Yeah, I think it can be. I think it would be sustainable for the short term. I don't think it is long term. Okay. Um, you know, I, I have a guarded view on it. He played much better than I expected him to, obviously. I didn't expect him to come out there and put, hit a five straight drives where they just 
looked like Miami in the first half against FSU. You know, I didn't expect that. Um, but I also think that that's not a microcosm of what he's going to be. There's going to be up and downs with him. The, the arm strength still has some issues. Mm-hmm. There's some throws I don't think he can make. There's things that teams can take away from him in the passing game that I think will complicate things for him going forward. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing for him to have success and something he displayed very, very well tonight is making good decisions. I mean, this team can't afford bad decisions. The pick six that FSU had early in that game when Tate threw it, it was a combination of a bad pro and a bad decision. And it was a you know a fatal flaw <laughs> early on. They they can't afford that at the quarterback position. They need a guy who's making good decisions. Yeah. They're throwing it against the wall right now and seeing what sticks. And for now, Jordan Travis is what sticks. I don't I don't know how long it works for. Yeah. But I'll take it. You definitely take it short term. I mean, you, you ride with it. The team was definitely invigorated by it. The rushing attack was much, much better with him in there, not solely because he was running the ball, but because I think it freed up the O-line to be a little bit more of a go north and get after it kind of road grading type. So you do those things. I think you stick with it. Um, but Does I think that – you look like the Blair Witch Project to you, Josh, right now and sound <laughs> like it? Yeah, that, I, is that the moon that's just over his shoulder? It's really so crazy. Bright. That is crazy. Now, I, th- I think that's a light you're seeing. Okay. I think it's from the lights that I'm walking by. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, he does look a little Blair, Blair Witch-ish. Uh, here's, here's my takeaway. I think we're all a little bit um, skeptical on whether or not he's the long-term solution. But I all think I think that we all agree this is a glimmer of hope in a season that looked like it was spiraling down the drain and there was no answer at quarterback until maybe a, a Chubba Purdy came back. And at that point, we were still hanging our hat on a true freshman at best. So at least, you know, this this gives us a little bit of hope moving forward. Yeah. I was going to – oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, I, I think the thing is you ride it, you try mm-hmm. to build around it, you build specific to it to some degree. I'm saying in the short term with game planning, with what you work in practice, things like that. And you see where it takes you. They're not going to win a lot of games, but, you know, maybe you find some building blocks here to help that offense to kind of grow and come along and develop. It's very much an exhibition season at this point. So it's about getting better week to week. And if he's a guy that helps invigorate people to do that, then so be it. The, the Popo are coming for Chris. I, I think the, to Chris's point, Jordan Travis made people around him better. He encouraged them to play harder just by his play. By I mean, what was the thing about it, guys? When was the last time a quarterback legitimately elevated the play of others around him when they weren't playing well previously? Like we talked about James Blackman being kind of a mirror when things are going well, he'll do well. When things are going poorly, he sinks in. Probably James Winston, right? Oh. Well, James, James Blackman, NC State comes to mind. The offense was pretty good that night. Yeah, that, hit, some, hit some that's chunk one plays. I'd out there. Yeah, a little shot in the arm, I guess, is what James provided that, that day and gave you uh, optimism. But what I was going to say about the quarterback, the big picture uh, question that you asked, Josh, before this game, or as the game, as we were kind of figuring out what the details were going to be with the quarterback situation mm-hmm. here, and there could be three or four guys playing potentially. Remember, Jordan Travis, I reported this earlier on on Saturday, was not supposed – like they weren't planning for him to play. He didn't practice a ton at all throughout the week, and during pregame warm-ups he felt good enough to be able to go – I don't know if he would have played if if Tate Rodemaker had a decent game, uh, but they needed Jordan Travis to get in there. He did, and he he delivered. What? Yeah, is... and, and real quick to add to that point, Norvell stated after the game that he indeed did not practice very right. much this week, and uh, 
Jordan was asked specifically about how the knee felt. He said it hurt. It felt pretty good after the game. I'm sure that's some adrenaline running through the veins. But he said it was definitely giving him trouble. He had a left knee wrap on from the get-go tonight. Mm. But uh, four or five hours ago, I asked myself before the game, like, how do they get to Chubba Purdy? Which I think is right. the end goal, right? And if Tate Rotermaker came in and played, like, gave you a C-plus game, a B-minus game, because I don't think we came in and thought that Tate was going to deal necessarily, uh, more so that he was going to be efficient and distribute the ball. He struggled with that. But how were we going to get to Chubba Purdy if he wasn't at 100%? Thought there was a chance he was going to play today, but, but wasn't sold on that. And now I think we see it. Now I think at least there's a glimmer of hope to like, okay, you can somewhat effectively uh, respect, res- like be respectable in getting to Chubba Purdy in a couple of weeks or so. I, I think yeah. that's what this gives you, which we didn't see before. Yeah, maybe you can yeah. slide there. You don't have to face plant into Chubba Purdy. <laughs> that's a beautiful way of putting it, yes. This, this evening also shows that a quarterback who can do something with his feet makes this team – yeah, uh, absorb some of their issues much, much better. And, you know, there's two guys on the roster who can do that, and there's two guys on the roster who can't. Brendan, what are your quick thoughts on the way that FSU started this football game? I know they won, but, like, are you concerned over the way that they started? Yeah, yes, I, I'm concerned. But I think it's more important the way they ended it. But, yeah, I'm concerned about the way they started it. The it has amused me some to see like the column that I wrote, it wasn't super negative, but it said like they were about to, we were about to rinse and repeat mm-hmm. the, uh, the rock bottom column again. And people are saying, oh, it's too negative now. And that's been a, a general response of if it wasn't for Jordan Travis coming in, but five hours ago, man, people were ready to cancel the, the season. So, so it was, it was concerning that the defense came out and looked flat again. It was, Obviously disheartening that Tate Rotermaker came out and couldn't even navigate the offense through a, a full quarter with you know against an FCS opponent. So yeah, there were parts that were that were disheartening, and and it was a reminder to me, especially in that first quarter, the freshman mistakes that we want to see this this youth movement. And, and Chris warned everyone about this on Monday was be careful. You want to see youth movement, and yeah, I think that's the right play long term uh, throughout the season. But Tate Rotomaker making that errant pass for the pick six early on. Uh, Robert Scott giving up two pressures. I believe one for a sack directly. Another one probably should have been on him. Tate missing the throw to, to Kentron Potier and, and Kentron not being able to, to bring down the bad throw. I think that was the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back for getting yeah. ran him out of the game. And then even Stephen Dix on the touchdown run, he gets kind of sucked up inside and uh, and allows the, the ball to bounce outside. I mean, those are true freshmen making true freshman mistakes. So, yeah, there was concerning elements to the start of the game for sure. See, Josh, um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go full optimist on my boy Sinone here, which I know you guys never expect that from me. But uh, Of course Chris is doing that, so the fans will love him, and the readers are going to say, oh, Chris is the voice of the people. Sinone is no, the uh, asshole. They were, well, you are an asshole. Just get over it. I'm a bigger asshole. We're good here. We're two assholes in a pod together. Um. A podcast together. Yeah, podcast. There you go. The two big positives to me. One, you saw a head coach that's very quick to pull the trigger in the sense of going with what's next. He didn't hesitate. That's a good thing. That's where his program has to go. And the second thing to me was that you saw a lot of fire tonight. I mean, yeah. Jerry, and jo- uh, Jerry and Jones gets a penalty, gets his ass torn in half sits for a quarter. You see Dante Lucas sitting, we presume, in some form or fashion, some level of punishment. Warren Thompson doesn't play. 
there there's actions behind the thoughts and the words and that's something this program needs yeah i agree um Adam Fuller has been a hot topic on the Knowles 24-7 message board and was for most of this game. Did Adam Fuller make good halftime adjustments in your eyes or did Jacksonville State kind of run out of gas? Whoever wants it. I guess I'll take it. I, I didn't feel super well-equipped to take this, uh, this question, mainly because uh, I, I would like to watch the game one more time, I guess, to, to fully – see what the defense did a little bit better. But, I mean, some of the final numbers here for FSU's defense are encouraging. They only gave up 307 yards of total offense, kept Jacksonville State to 3 of 10 on third down, which was huge because that was. that's been that's been a bugaboo for FSU this, this season. Uh, let's see, how many sacks do they get? Two? Hey, that's twice Two. as much as they yeah. had all season. I mean, let's, let's take growth here. Uh, the 5.8 yards per play allowed, not very good. I gave up a couple chunk plays, especially the one with, with Cyrus Fagan. Uh, and I think that's one thing that the defense hasn't done well this year, and especially today, that was kind of magnified was was transitioning. You know, after uh, the offense giving up a a, a big play and right. then, you know, like having a turnover, not great. They after, don't transition; they spiral. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Again, Josh, you're just doing such a great job of of taking my ramblings and turning it into nice, uh, digestible pieces for audience. That's why you're hosting this today. Um, yeah, the defense. I mean, the defense wasn't awful, but still, to me, they just seemed slow like the offense started getting confidence and started moving faster I think that the optics there were pretty obvious in the second half the defense still doesn't look like it's flying around to me still yeah. looks like they're kind of weighing through things uh I would guess I would give this probably a c minus d plus for the the defense like it wasn't awful it wasn't wasn't terrible but I don't leave this game feeling particularly great about the defensive performance what about you Chris I mean I, I fall back on free agency doesn't exist um I, I think a lot of their issues defensively are in many ways, personnel, you know, I, I'm not in love with the scheme based on what I've seen in three games of them trying to execute the scheme and guys failing to do so. But that's not to say the scheme's not effective if they have the right people in it. And truthfully, I don't know how much they can mess with it, gimmick it, do different things and find more success. It, it's going to come down to guys being in the right position, making tackles and ending plays. I mean, there were instances this evening where the Gamecocks had big plays because guys got out of position, guys failed to do their jobs correctly, mm -hmm. techniques and fundamentals were not applied. And to me, that's not something that falls back on the coach. That falls more on the players. That's not to excuse Adam Fuller of any responsibility because yeah. he's a very good player. Or he's, he's a very important piece to that in putting those players in position to be successful. I will say one thing about the defense that I do find encouraging that you can build on a little bit moving forward. Asante Samuel doesn't have a very great game, especially early on. I thought he was picked on a little bit. Some of that's just because they're playing off, off coverage. But, but I'm interested to see some of the metrics tomorrow with catches allowed and targets. But he comes up with the interception at the end of the game. That's big. You have a, a leader not having a great game and comes up with the play to kind of kind of seal the game off for you. So that's that's important. But looking at some of the numbers here, I mean, Jacksonville State, Again, they average uh, about five yards per play in every single quarter. So it wasn't like this huge defensive turnaround that we saw throughout the game. I just think, like you said, Josh, they ran out of gas. I do want to watch this game again, but my initial inclination is yeah, just kind of kind of another underwhelming performance from, from the defense. The, the last thing I'll add on the defense, I think the key for them is to try to eliminate the explosive plays the opponents have. Opponents are going to drive the ball on them. They're going to accumulate yards. They're going to have success. 
the issue is explosive plays. Well, there's been multiple issues, but two major issues were third downs. They were much better at that tonight. Again, some of that's probably adjusted to the opponent. But the other one's explosive plays. The touchdown run was an explosive play. FSU was out of position on it. There's a play out of the backfield on a pass where, you know, two players were clustered together and the safety wasn't there to clean it up. There, there's instances like that where they're giving up chunks of the field and allowing teams to put together some momentum. If they can eliminate those and make teams have to constantly grind it and gain a few yards at a time, they can be a more middle-of-the-road, fairly mediocre defense, which if the offense can put up points, they can get by with. But it, I, don't, I don't expect the defense to ever take a big step this year because I don't expect the pass rush to drastically improve. I don't know, truthfully, how exotic they can be with the pass rush to try to create things. Like, I don't know if they have the ability to do that with the personnel they're dealing with. So, they're kind of stuck. You know, it's, I, I make the joke about free agency, but it is sort of where they are. There's not going to be somebody that walks through that door that makes them a lot better on defense. So. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, before we get out of here, because uh, we're going to preview Notre Dame game moving forward, but uh, Brandon oh, – Give me your best projection for next week's starting offensive line against Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> Just a way too early projection. Real quick, how many – help me out, guys. How many offensive line combinations do we think they've had this season? Oh, man. Uh, over, under, at eight. I want to research it and figure it out. Over, I, under, I think eight. over. Over? Yeah, I think it's almost certainly over at this uh, point. Maybe close to a dozen at this point. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be close to it. I mean, let's see. Give me your starting five right now. All right, well, let, let me work on what I know. Maurice Smith <laughs> at center. Uh, let's go with that. I feel good about it. Uh, Darius Washington at left tackle. He left the game, did not return. I'm going to say not him. What Didn't Devontae Love-Taylor finish the game at left tackle? Uh, I can't remember if they moved Scott or him to left tackle. I think Scott Love stayed Taylor. at right, right tackle. I think Scott stayed at right tackle. Okay, so they I, moved I, him over there. Okay, I, yeah. would, I would say that stays. I say you put Devontae at left tackle or left tackle – uh you're gonna keep robert scott at right tackle he calmed down he played better as the game wore on now he's probably not gonna grade great so people are gonna say oh my god you're so wrong right so that's what you do um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm the pff stuff is interesting to me simply because i don't feel like people cared a whole lot last year and all of a sudden we don't have it and people are really caring about every single grade it's it's an interesting dynamic to me i i i can't wrap my head around it uh, Robert Scott did okay as the game went on. I think having that that extra runner that Jordan Travis just makes things open up and helps create better angles, and they capitalized off of it. Uh, but let's say let's my prediction is okay. Devontae left Taylor left tackle, right tackle will have Robert Scott. Center Marie Smith, right guard Davion Johnson. I guess they still seem pretty intent on on playing him. Uh, left guard, do you want to go Pope or do we want to go with Baselli? Baselli returned right after your offensive line, man. Yeah, but Baselli came back in. Yeah, Baselli did come back in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Josh. <laughs> It'll change five times during the game. All right, anyways, no problem. All right, Chris, give me your final thoughts on Mike Norvell's first win at Florida State. Well, obviously much needed. I think it's a confidence booster for a team that had no confidence entering this week. Um, I, I, I enjoyed watching what Jordan Travis did today. Uh, I still think the word sustainable is very much applicable there where we got to see how long he can do this, how well he can do this. You know, I, I thought a great thing for Jordan Travis was that shot they gave him for Keyshawn Hilton early on because I think that injected confidence into him as a passer, which I think was very important for him having 
balanced success. They obviously ran the ball a hell of a lot. There was a stretch where they had 19 runs and 25 plays on back-to-back touchdown drives. So, you know, it was clear that we're going to run, 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 but he had to be capable of passing and keep the defense at least honest. I thought that was good. I thought it was good that the team showed the willingness to fight back and didn't, you know, fold when they went down 14 nothing. Obviously mm-hmm. a concern with this group because they've done it so often for the last several years. But it's Jacksonville State, so let's not make too much of it. They're going to struggle next week at Notre Dame more than likely. That's a substantially better defensive line they're facing next week, a very capable offense. But the key for them is just keep building on it. it. It's not so much about wins and losses. It's about trying to become a better football team week over week, game over game, and start finding some of the pieces that are going to be the crucial parts of your future with this program. And I think tonight was a big step in that direction with the fact that they were willing to run a lot of young guys out there early, and they stuck with them. And when they didn't stick with them, they were very quick to make a change and stick with what they made a change with. It wasn't just keep rotating. They didn't create a revolving door. So that yeah. that said, I don't want to keep rambling. <laughs> All right, I don't want to. I don't want to hear you keep rambling because I'm going to go draw the bath and read the Texas A&M message board for a while. What do you say? <laughs> that, that sounds like a great Saturday evening. <laughs> what ended up being the fi- what ended up being the final there? Oh, it was like fifty-one to twenty or something like seventeen, something like that. Um, UCF up twenty-three to five right now. Nobody cares. Before we get out of here, tell the people what they do care about, which is Market Square Liquors. Market Square Liquors is awesome. We've been drowning our sorrows the last couple weeks, but you know what? There's finally a reason to celebrate. It's located off of Timberlane Road, close to I-10 and and Thomasville Road and and Market Square. You go ahead, you turn right into Timberlane, and and there it is in the revamped Market Square Plaza. They're still doing construction there, but, but Market Square Liquors is still very much so open. They have an amazing selection of, of beer. Like you go up in the back of the, the store and the beer wall is impressive, but what's so cool is you can actually go and like pick out just an individual bottle of beer and try to sample something. You don't have to buy a whole six pack. It's pretty unique in that regard. So they have a great beer selection, really in-depth wine selection. And the people who work there know a lot about their wine. I'm not a huge wine fan. I know I like Cabernet uh, Sauvignon and that's about it. Uh, but other than that, if it's red, I, I don't know much more beyond that. And the bourbon selection is awesome. The, the, the liquors and spirit selection in general is really good, too. Uh, they have some unique stuff there, barrel pick selections, too. The lounge is next door. It's really classy. Mm. Go ahead and get a great selection of, of bourbon there. So, yeah, Market Square Liquors is awesome. I'm a big fan. Our, uh, our listeners are starting to respond to it. People who are traveling are stopping in, uh, in North Tallahassee to check it out. So, so please let them know we sent you when you, you do go. But it's, uh, it's worth your stop. And, and revolve your, your shopping experiences around it, too, if you're in Tallahassee. It's, it's the best liquor store, liquor store in town. Thank you. And we mm-hmm. will return on Monday, as we always do, after Mike Norvell's press conference. Um, we'll be back. So thank you for listening. Go ahead and enjoy this one. <laughs>